we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It Real. I'm Ira Madison III, host of your regular podcast, Keep It, Keep It Real, is our semi-regular Friday reality show bonus podcast. Uh, This week, we are joined by Teddy Mellencamp, formerly of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, currently of the podcast Two Teas in a Pod, which she hosts with Tamara Judge from Real Housewives of Orange County fame. This is a fun interview. Teddy comes in with some hot questions for me at the beginning, and I think you guys will have some fun. Listen, I did try to get the two teas here at the same time, but one tea is still better than none. After that, Kendra James, one of our producers here at Crooked, who is a Bravo stan like me, joins me for a Bravo AMA. And we're also going to talk about this current season of The Real Housewives of Orange County and, of course, all the drama going on with Shannon Bedore's hit-and-run DUI that happened this week. Um, We're still developing Keep It Real, by the way, and I would love to hear from our listeners what you want to see in this bonus pod, um, people you love us to talk to, segments you might be interested in. So let us know in the comments, and I will be right back with Teddy Mellencamp. Okay, our guest today is a former Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, a fitness guru, and co-host of... A very successful, very fun podcast, Two T's and a Pod, which she co-hosts with Tamara Judge. I am ready to get into all of it with Teddy Mellencamp. Hello. It's uh it's so Hi. it's so nice to meet you outside your tweets. <laughs> because um well, I, I could find one recent one, but I feel like your last Twitter may have been like deactivated or something. So I couldn't go was, back in time to see you dragging me. So I was like, <laughs> I remember, but I can't fully remember. So I'm like, shit. <laughs> um, how often have you hopped on like a podcast talking Bravo and you're like, all right, let's get down the business about what you were saying about me a few years ago. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We all have strong opinions, and I can laugh at it, but I always am, like, <laughs> a little hesitant when somebody asks for an interview with me when I'm, like, clearly they had a lot of issue with me before. So I'm, like, I text my publicist. I'm, like, why does he want to do this? <laughs> am I coming in hot? Promises. <laughs> Promise is not a setup. <laughs> What's funny about that is I feel like um, and I'll ask you a bit too about because you've been re-watching um, some Housewives episodes for the podcast. Um, I feel like there's so much Housewives, so much Bravo and content that it's like you're firing off tweets while you are watching a show when you have these strong opinions. Uh, and then truly it's like we're in like what season like 14 is coming up now. I truly have no idea what I even thought when I was watching that show anymore, you know? And like, do you feel like um, you have sort of like forgotten like what it was like when you were on the show, like even just like being online after an episode aired, 
do you feel like you're far enough removed from it? Well, I mean, I always say, like, when I'm watching now as somebody not being on the mm-hmm. show, I'm like, you're only as good as last week's episode. Because when I'm watching, mm-hmm. I am... Uh, my opinion changes from week to week. I might be like, oh my gosh, she's driving me nuts this episode. And then the next one, I'm like, oh, I love her. She, you know, so everyone has a turnaround. But I mean, I think that, you know, in hindsight, getting fired really helped me find my voice and Mm -hmm. figuring out what it is that I want to, like believing in what I say and feeling comfortable with being recorded or filmed or whatever it may be. And just kind of, coming out of my shell a bit. So I enjoy it, but I also, you know, I'm trying to have fun with it too. <laughs> um, talking about, you know, finding your voice and sort of being comfortable with being recorded a bit more now, would you say that you think that you would do things a little bit differently if you were to return to that show or any other sort of reality show that filmed your life? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that I, when I first started, I went in wanting to be perfect. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, like, at one point, my kids held up, like, a bottle of water. I'm like, no, no, you can't have plastic. We got to, you know, like, I just tried to control <laughs> too much because I just was so new to it and so fresh. And I'm like, in hindsight, I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I add all that extra stress to myself? And I think there are times where you see my snarkiness, you know, like there's a part where I like say to Lisa, like, oh, sorry, I couldn't carry out your plan. And like, you just, you see me fight back, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. my natural, like overly opinionated self. I don't think. Mm -hmm. What would you say, um, in watching these other Housewives shows, you notice that maybe newer Housewives, um, like things that they do that you sort of remember like, oh, this is what I was thinking when I was getting into the show. Maybe don't do that. Like maybe in the new Roni or something, you know, like you're noticing people trying to sort of make themselves something for the camera. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, like even watching Jessel, you can tell Mm -hmm. she's like always trying to deliver that sound bite. Like, she's trying to get that <laughs> yeah. zinger, and I think that's why sometimes she isn't – I mean, she's good television, but sometimes that's why she isn't relating to the other women because she's already yeah. in her head planning the next funny thing to say. But mm-hmm. they're like, are you missing the social cues? What's going on? They're getting offended. <laughs> um, but, you know, you see yourself in other housewives, and I think whether you're on a show or not, that's the interesting part of watching it. Like, I'll watch Aaron on Roni, and I'm like, Okay, I'm probably most similar to her. You know, like I would get my feelings <laughs> hurt. Or I tried too hard to host an event. Or I wanted things to be perfect. And then I would get offended over things where in real life I would have been like, go kick rocks. I don't care. Don't cut. You know, like I, I don't take things that personally when it comes to my friendships and my day to day life. Mm-hmm. I will say that um, I do use a meme. Um, with you constantly when texting with friends, and it is the one of you waiting for Dorit. <laughs> I mean, that meme, I'm like, why could I have worn a different outfit if I would have known that meme was going to go forever? I mean, but the, I was so fresh. Like, that was such the mm. beginning. I really didn't know what to do, and I was just sitting there forever, and I'm like, what does one do? Like, I do I have a second drink? Like, then all of a sudden I have a drinking problem. I'm sitting here just drinking alone. I'm like, I can't, I, I'm just not going to do it. So I remember like looking up and being like, 
what do I do? And they, they were like, what would you do in real life? And I was like, I would leave. And they were like, then mm-hmm. leave. No one's holding you here. And I was like, well, great. I'm out. Thank you for that, you know, however <laughs> amount of time I just sat at this empty restaurant, like trying to look like I'm doing something when you can't really be on your phone. You're just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting to hear, too. You know, you sitting there um, and then you're like waiting, you know, to do a scene with Dorit. Uh, and then you're like with the producer, what am I supposed to be doing? And they're like, well, what would you do? Um, do you think that sometimes... Um, there's a push and pull, even in just someone's mind of like, well, I'm here to do this scene and I need to make this work for the show or whatever we need to get done for today. But then there's also the like, if you want to be authentic, I would leave this fucking restaurant right now. Here's the thing. (laughs) The way I kind of always felt about it, like, listen, we're all, we all get a call sheet. We all know what time we're supposed to be there. And if you're not there on time, it's disrespectful to the other person. So I had reached out, I contacted, you know, we all, we all know how it works. And especially like, you know, nine times out of 10, the reason the women would be late was because they were glamming. And I'm like, schedule your (laughs) glam for earlier. Like, this isn't my problem. My time is as important as yours. Mm -hmm. Um. So you are starting a rewatch of Beverly Hills for the podcast. And it's interesting. You said you'd never seen, like, the first season of the show. Um, What is that like going back and sort of discovering, I guess, things about people you are friends with now? Well, I have an even started. We're doing it Uh, on Friday. And so I like to watch right before because if not, then I need to watch twice like because my memory can't retain whatever it is. So I'm like, okay, so I haven't even gotten there yet. I did go back during the season that I was really getting pummeled and watched, Uh um, I think – Maybe it was season six. It was like the season with mm-hmm. Brandy and like the munch out like that or whatever season that yeah. was. I watched that for like my own mm-hmm. reference after I saw what happened to me. <laughs> but other than that, I haven't watched season. I've seen clips and stuff, but I, I feel like it's going to be definitely mm-hmm. interesting. And we'll see different sides of everybody. I mean, everyone talks about yeah. how like iconic season one Camille is. And I was like, well, I never yeah. saw that, Camille, so I'm excited to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she switched it up a bit from season one to two after, you know, she got pummeled by, you know, the audience. They didn't like how she was on the show. Um, how did you, how would you say that watching season six, you know, like after you had done seven, um, how did that sort of change your perception of, the show or just sort of like being able to see like how some of the women who were your coworkers, like seeing how they operated in a season that you weren't on. I think that the the biggest thing that I learned, which I don't regret in the way that I did it is so oftentimes the women would, would talk a certain way in their confessional and be a different way Mm -hmm. in scene. I do feel like I was pretty transparent throughout. Like if I had an issue or if I found something out, I wasn't necessarily the one that would go gossip behind somebody's back. I was coming to them 
And I may have done it completely awkwardly and in my deadpan <laughs> voice and using my hands and, you know, whatever it may be. But I really tried to be that person. Whereas a lot of people you see are good television because they're good in their confessionals. But anyone can be coached in a confessional. Not by production, yeah, you know. Confessional gangsters yeah, you know, is like, what we call them. <laughs> I'm like, you're not that really that funny in the moment. What's going on here? <laughs> is your glam too uh, funny or is this, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's a writer strike now. So maybe next season won't have as many quips. Oh, yeah. So. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, you recently talked about Bethany Frankel's um, podcasting interview that she did with um, Rachel Levis from Vanderpump Rules. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on Bethany's, you know, um, spearheading this, you know, unionizing of reality TV? Um, and, you know, sort of what do you think about her spearheading this while also the conversation about um her possibly taking advantage of Rachel in this interview. I mean, I'm all for, you know, certain unionization, but all I've seen so far are things towards Bravo. Like if we're talking about all reality television, then what about mm -hmm. Bachelor or Love Island or all of these different shows? And at the end of the day, I don't think her interview with Rachel really had anything to do with un unionizing reality yeah. television. <laughs> I think it had to do with getting her podcast to hit number one, utilizing a person, leading a person to give an interview to her in which I don't think behooved Rachel. I don't think she did anything differently than any network or production company or anything like that. It actually only made Rachel look worse. If she really wanted to set yeah. up the interview to show Rachel as a human being, she could have really had the harder conversations about like, you know, how, how are you feeling? What, what steps have you done to better yourself since we all make mistakes, but let's also be clear. Your mistakes didn't happen on camera. They found mm -hmm. out after filming. So you can't blame production or you can't blame Bravo for this affair that didn't happen on the show. It happened behind the scenes. And it just came yeah. out and they picked up cameras again. That's on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation, too, about, you know, um, what she was called by her castmates and things like the reunion after they found out these things. But, you know, that's also, wouldn't you say, something that you sign up for, knowing that if you're putting your life out there and you're working with other people, if you piss someone off, like, they have a right to tell you exactly how they feel about you. Well, my question is seeing, looking back and seeing what Bethany said about Luann, I, I forget, you uh -huh. know, what it was, she was a slut and this yeah. and that. Well, she called her a whore. whore. She fucked everyone in New York. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like, <laughs> and that is Bethany saying that to someone who had nothing to do with her own personal relationship. So I want you to imagine Bethany mm. goes away because her grandmother's passed away and her ex-husband, who was her current husband at the time, had sex with one of those women. What kind mm -hmm. of evisceration do you think Bethany would have given them at the reunion? <laughs> she might have killed That's, them. That's, so. like, let's be clear. Do I think that the online hate got to be too much? 
Absolutely. It was out of control. Do I think that some of the cast members took it a little too far on social media when they should have just been quiet and waited until the reunion? Of course I do. But in Ariana's case, in the moment, it's fresh, it's new. She's upset. She said something harsh. And it is what it is. But at the end of the day, that wasn't even Rachel's complaint. Her complaint was, I should make be making what season nine and season 10 cast members have, who have been doing this that long is making. And that's just not how it has ever worked. Mm-hmm. And you didn't do it on camera. <laughs> There's that and too. Like, <laughs> I, I, and you could have, if you would have come out and said, listen, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I don't know. I don't know what is going on with me. I clearly messed up, Ariana. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry that this happened with Tom. And like really just came out and apologized and took accountability. She could have been capitalizing financially as well. Tom is a villain Mm -hmm. and he's still capitalizing on it. Yeah. So you just need a better negotiator, Rachel. But coming out at the end of that podcast after not really taking accountability, saying I wasn't really that close with, uh, you know, this person or Lala was just, you know, got money for her merch on Send It to Daryl. It just made it seem like, ugh, like this isn't what I want to hear. I want to hear your backstory. I want to hear how women could grow from this or the, the things that lured you in or just be straightforward like the rest of us that have been on reality television. I like fame. I wanted to be bigger on the show, and I thought effing one of the stars would help me. Say it. At least that's yeah. relatable. <laughs> um, as a host of a Bravo, uh, you know, podcast, um, there are also so many other housewives, um, ones who join you on your show, but also people, you know, who have sort of started their own sort of ventures. Um, what would you say are some of your maybe favorite ones? And what would you also say is something that you think a housewife could learn um, if she wants to like start um, a podcast like this, you know, and like how to sort of differentiate it from everything that's out there? Uh, For me, the biggest thing is do your research. You -hmm. know, I remember we had Andy on to talk about his book and he was like, thank you guys so much for actually reading the full book before having me on. I think so many, you know, podcasters, example, Bethany not going back and watching Vanderpump Rules, they're saying, oh, I've, she mentioned three times in her most recent one, I never watched the show. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Like, if I'm going to have a housewife on and I'm going to interview them, you're going to bet I am going so deep down the rabbit hole that I have everything prepared. And then that way I can have a voice. I'm not just going off of what I'm reading on Reddit or online or what you tweeted about me or you know whatever it may be. <laughs> I'm actually going off my own gut. And that's why I try not, I want other housewife podcasts to do well, but that's why I try not to listen too much because I also don't want, mm-hmm. sometimes if I hear something, then it's like stuck in my head and then it will start to become my opinion when it's not necessarily mine. So I try to like keep it separate. I support everybody else, but most of the time I tend not to listen. Mm. Um, And, you know, you talked about having Andy on talking about his book, you know, what's it been like maintaining, I guess, a working relationship with uh, Andy and then also Bravo, you know, just sort of like 
in your post housewives life, but you know, still also commentating on it. You know, I think that I try to always make sure that I give credit to where credit's due. They did, I mean, they did do a lot for me. The fact that I was given that platform, Mm -hmm. the fact that I came on and was able to honestly showcase my business, my life, like there, yes, are there things I could have done better? Of course. But is there things that like, I don't, there's nothing I look back on and go, gosh, you know, like I'm so mad at them for this. Or there, So there's no real ill will. So I try to be respectful of not ruining things for people watching the show that haven't watched. I try not to give too much away in advance, but I make sure to have big opinions when things are actually airing and showing and just try to have fun with it. And Andy's great and we text and we have fun and, you know, it's it's all good. And how do you manage, um, you know, your co-host is on Real Housewives of Orange County now. Like, how do you manage those interpersonal relationships that she has with, you know, sort of the women on her show? You know, like if she has um, or says something about like Vicky or you say something about one of her co-workers, um, how does that sort of play out um, in your life? I mean, we pretty much just, I just tell her like, don't listen to the ones that don't listen to me recap Orange County. Like it's just, (laughs) it's just going to add like, because I can't give her perspective anyway. So it's better for me Mm -hmm. not to, for her not to listen because then she's not going to get her feelings hurt. Cause I said like, Tam, there's some stuff this season. Not, not the best. (laughs) And so I'm going to say it. Um, and, but I, it doesn't mean that I love her any less, or I don't think she's excellent television or that I don't appreciate her so much as a co-host. I mean, Tamara Mm -hmm. is reality television gold because she can make stuff happen. People all of a sudden care about Orange County again. That's huge. Yeah. And she's got to take pride in that. And I, I love her as a co-host. I love her as a friend. But like, I'm like, don't listen to me recap Orange County. And yeah, you know, some of your favorites are not mine and vice versa. And it's the same with, Bev- you know, mm. with Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, great. I have one last Beverly Hills question. Yes. Um, now, have you seen this Morgan Wade music video? I have. And what were your yeah. thoughts? I mean, I think that I, I, I think I commented like it, something along the lines of like, if you can't beat them, troll them or whatever it may be. And I think, you know, what I always have said as, as all of this has played out, you know, all over social media, I'm like my job on two, and I got heat for this too. I'm like, but my job on two teas in a pod is to recap things that are playing out on television or talking mm-hmm. about people I truly do not know, but- mm-hmm. Once I see things airing this next season on Beverly Hills, I will discuss what I'm watching, but I'm not going to discuss like my interpersonal friendships because I think that's crossing a line. You know what I mean? Like in the moment, like once Beverly Hills airing, everything's fair game. Yeah. But me just reading the tabloid fodder, I'm like, nah, not happening. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here, Teddy. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, I hope this was I hope this was painless. You know, uh, it was lovely to have you here. <laughs> it was painless. <laughs> You're just lucky I couldn't pull up your old Twitter. <laughs> Always delete the evidence. I was like, I, can't. I was like, Sue, can you find the? He's like, she's like, no, it's gone. I'm like, 
It's like, dang it. Coming up, Kendra James joins me for a Bravo AMA, and we get into this current season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I am back for another Keep It Real AMA. And this time we have Crooked's Bravo expert, Kendra James, joining me. (laughs) And I am ready to talk justice for Archie. (laughs) Okay, so it is wild that we are recording this right after Shannon Bedore from Real Housewives of Orange County did a hit and run in Newport. Yes. The TMZ footage is out. This is wild. I don't even know what I imagined. I was imagining, like, there's this episode of Passions where um, (laughs) Ivy was trying to stop Teresa from marrying her son, Ethan, and she drove through a church. And that's what I was thinking of. Because I just just kept thinking, she's hitting a house. What is happening here? Uh, But it's... It's like she's it's like the car's playing skee ball. She hits it and then zooms. <laughs> so I had seen the damage to the townhouse prior. Because mm. someone some, okay. there's a black woman on TikTok who appears to have driven down to Orange County <laughs> last night and took pictures of shit. So I had already seen the damage to the house and like Thank God, like in in all seriousness, like obviously this woman should not have been uh, driving while drunk. There are Ubers even Mm -hmm. in Orange County. But it does, it looks like it was minor damage and just to like the brick foundation of the house. Mm -hmm. And now that I've seen the footage where this woman just comes careening around a corner and drives straight into the house, she's so lucky. She's incredibly lucky. And to have the dog in the car too. Like I... I don't know. This season clearly has had an effect on her. And like, in a way, I get it. But again, you have an Uber. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about this season of Real Housewives of Orange County, which I just binged this Mm. weekend. And um, because I I I have free time now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I binged it. This season is great. It's Oh, it's the best it's been in years. Yes. First of all, it's Heather Dubrow's best season ever, I think. Yes, and I am a Heather Dubrow stan. I love that okay. woman. 
I, yeah. I and I understand that that's not popular. <laughs> I like her. I like her a lot. <laughs> and I think that this what's great is she's always been this sort of larger than life, um, sort of you know very bougie, mm-hmm. very you know like this. This is a performance I'm doing. Yes. housewife and. Housewives are always great when they're up against a wall or someone is attempting to take them down and they either flounder or they rise to the occasion. She's and playing it perfectly. The attempted takedown of her by Emily and Tamara has, has failed miserably. Nope. And Emily's a smart woman. I, I understand why she thought she could do it. But the thing is, mm. Emily is not getting a rise out of her. Heather is just like, no. just whatever. She's like, you heard rumors about my marriage? Okay, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a master class. <laughs> Teresa Judice could learn something. She could. Teresa <laughs> always reacts angrily. She's throwing things that if Teresa were just like, who cares? Yeah. She wouldn't be in half the trouble. She may have spent less time in jail, but that's besides the point. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say this season of Orange County, like the chemistry is just like really, really working for me. And mm-hmm. to have... I hate to call it DUI, like the payoff is the wrong word, but it is mm-hmm. like it is the cap off of the season that you would almost expect if you have been watching Shannon Bedore's arc for years. Mm-hmm. So Shannon is a housewife who I believe maybe it was Lewis Peisman on Twitter said she has never had a good season on this show. <laughs> and that's what makes her compelling. I think she is. She's so frustrating and uncomfortable to watch on TV, but it does, it is what makes her compelling to watch. And she's always been a person who has, you know, tried to protect her life from the cameras while also craving the cameras. Mm-hmm. It is so interesting to be like a housewife who like you you desperately want to be on TV, but you also want to hide so many things in and then your life. On other people. Yeah. And say that like other people are keeping it from the cameras. No, honey. <laughs> Every man that you have dated does not want you keeping that. Like, this, at some point, this is you. <laughs> she already had a marriage fall apart on the show. She already had cheating rumors that she tried to hide with her husband, David, come out one season. And so here she is with a new relationship. And newsflash, before this season even started, we knew that that relationship was over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it, you're watching a train wreck unfold and you're just seeing, like, how this relationship is not gonna work so it's such a sad season for her and uh she's she's what's what's also ironic too is that this season has had her fighting with gina on the Mm -hmm. show because gina had a dui three years ago and shannon is always bringing it up on camera how she helped her how she had to call call you know like her lawyer friend to stop cps from taking gina's kids away from her and now to end the season where you are in a dui i hope gina's looking through her little black book i hope she called like i hope she called gina like i'm 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 very upset that the reunion filmed two weeks ago. And I I will say, Tamara and Teddy were talking this morning on their new Mm -hmm. episode of Two Teas in a Pod about the DUI. The DUI supposedly happened sometime on Saturday night. Tamara said that she spoke to um, to Shannon in a conference call on Sunday. And Shannon said nothing about what was going on. Of course. Yeah. And then Teddy was asking, like, all of these follow-up questions, which I was like, 
that's like you don't know this woman that's messy you wouldn't mm. and like you're trying to get Tamara to talk about this you wouldn't even talk about Kyle and Mauricio like who that's supposed mm. to be your friends obviously you all have just listened to my fun spicy interview with Teddy Mellencamp spicy because she starts out the interview um, by saying um, I remember your tweets about me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's going to remember this episode now. <laughs> and what's fun is I try, obviously, you know, I I, I tried to get the two T's, mm-hmm. Tamara and Teddy. Uh, but, you know, Teddy was, Teddy was fun all on her own. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I just, this is such a, like, a, a sad situation for Shannon. And, like, it's been talked about sort of, like, under the table and hinted at on the show for years that she, Her drinking. Ha- she does this. Yes, she gets very, very drunk and either like makes bad decisions or makes phone calls that she doesn't remember. And just to yes. have it really coming to a head on this season is sad. It is It is really sad. And I, I hope she <laughs> can take some time off and come back healthy. Yeah. Yeah, which is sad, though, because I do want Gina to have that confrontation with her on the show next season. Yeah. But she probably does need to not be on the show Well, when has that ever stopped one of these women? I know. (laughs) (laughs) And it it is sort of dark, too, because... uh, And we're going to get to the AMA right after this. It is is kind of dark because it reminds me of Karen Huger on Potomac, right? There's always the stories that Karen Huger... Also gets like she's 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 prim and proper on the show. Doesn't really drink, mm-hmm. but when she drinks at night, she drunk dials the cast and spills all her business. We've seen that fireball on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I love Karen. That's though. why she hates Robin. <laughs> yes, I love Karen though. That is that's one of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think Karen is going to be um, driving into any buildings anytime soon. But no, you never know. No. It's listen. The ground down, Justin. Drive. Wait. But the, does the ground job even have her license? Didn't they have that whole story? It was taken away. It was taken away because of her DUI. What I will say, it's a long drive to get to Potomac from where any of those women live. So they are doing a lot of driving. <laughs> All right, let's get into some questions. Okay, Roni just had its reboot, and that is successful, sort of successful. The ratings aren't quite there yet, but I think that it's it could be gelling into a good show. I'm excited for the reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that the season could maybe have been shorter. They don't have a lot to talk about, and it reminds me that the first seasons of a lot of the earlier Bravo shows were maybe like six episodes. Yes. Or eight. I mean, um, I think Dubai is a, Dubai and then The Return of Miami, I think, are both good examples of that. Mm-hmm. Um, with with New York specifically, I think a lot of that like stuff that we were getting in the first three episodes was remnants from Lizzie Stav- Stavetsky, mm-hmm. I think her name was. And like, yeah. if I had been, if I, not that I'm telling other producers how to do their job. I would have cut that stuff out. I would have like yeah. given them a clean slate and then we probably would have had like 10 episodes instead of whatever we're doing now. It's just like mm-hmm. a lot of that didn't seem to matter. Now, especially the catch fight and the uh, other stuff. Like things, <laughs> the things really seemed to kick off for the show once they went to Aaron's Hampton's house. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, a, a very polarizing figure. <laughs> 
Aaron is annoying. Sai is very grating. They're, they are both sort of becoming the villains on mm-hmm. this in gear trip. Yeah. Um, Uba came alive, which yeah, she I, did. I appreciated because I knew Uba had something because Uba, I don't know if you watched uh, My Unorthodox Life on Netflix. Which I is, did not. Was she on it? So she was on it for a hot second. And the woman on My Unorthodox Life was helping her like market and brand her hot sauce. Mm. The woman Uba on, hot. Yeah. The woman on My Unorthodox Life, now she, I don't want to call her a scammer. I don't want to call her a grifter. I'm just simply going to say, I believe there is more to that story. And so (laughs) to have Uba interacting with this woman who clearly has a lot more going on, I came into New York and I was like, this woman has something because she's willing to interact Mm. with crazy. And I think the pulling the sunglasses off of Aaron's face immediately, like the fact that she immediately jumped to that, I want to see more. (laughs) (laughs) She was ready to box. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, But the question that we have here, the first one is, um, could Real Housewives of Atlanta benefit from a Roni-style reboot? And could any other Bravo show benefit from a reboot like that? The women of Atlanta have had a few off seasons, much like the women of OC had. Mm-hmm. I don't. This think was we the most get, off. Yes, I don't think we need to get rid. I think we need to bring in a heavy. We need to bring in a heavy hitter. We need like mm-hmm. not that any of them would necessarily ever do it. We need a Monica. We need a Cardi mm-hmm. B. We need like we need mm-hmm. a someone who can match with Candy. I think mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. set Candy off in a way. That is different from the way that like Drew activates her or like this, whatever that cousin's name is. I don't care if the cousin is activating Candy because I don't care about the cousin. They don't respect her. Right. I think it reminds me of, and I wish that Yolanda Hadid had never gotten sick because I feel like she'd still be on Real Housewives (laughs) of Beverly Hills. But it reminds me of the way that Yolanda came in and sort of activated Lisa Vanderpump Mm -hmm. because she was so wealthy yep. and like had had more stature in Beverly Hills than her. And that shook up Lisa in the way that nobody else really did on the show. And you need someone who Candy respects and is also balling more than her. Candy mm-hmm. is always like, I'm worldwide. You need someone who is uh, intergalactic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't think a reboot is the answer there. I think we need to take a, maybe a little bit of extended time off the way Beverly Hills mm-hmm. had and just think about what we're doing. We just need to sit down and think. <laughs> and honestly, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't black women in Atlanta who can add to this, but I also think that, you know, not to Kim Zolciak it, mm-hmm. but, you know, they added some diversity to um Beverly Hills, because that Mm -hmm. was like an all-white show. Maybe think diverse for Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't think it necessarily needs to be um, a white woman in the mix, but, you know, like a Latina woman, you know, like someone else within Atlanta where we can get a different culture that's going on in there. They'll bring a different flavor to the show. Something that you thought Sanya was going to bring, but all she really does is say pop, pop, pop. And <laughs> make her make her um, food with her family. Sanya's got to go. She and I don't like to say that given the end of the season, but 
Sonia's got to go. Like, I, I just, yeah. she, I need her out. I will say what Married to Medicine taught me, which I did not know, is that there's a huge mm-hmm. Indian population in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can we attach to that? Not with that woman, whatever that woman's name was, because she was horrendous. What no, was she was horrible. Who was that woman? Uh, I can't remember. But. You see, that's how bad she was. Yes. That's how bad she was. <laughs> her and her husband, they were doing oh, the most. Oh, I, I disliked them so much. I think other shows that would benefit. It's so interesting because I feel like, isn't that what people wanted for Vanderpump Rules before Scandaval happened? Mm-hmm. They said, they said, ax everybody yes. and bring in new um, waiters who are actually broke and starving. And then Scandaval happened and they were all thirsty for camera time again. <laughs> so um, that is great. And I think next season is going to be interesting we'll see i'm like i don't i don't want to hear about scandal ever again but i know that we're gonna get at least two three episodes of it up top yeah um what other shows i don't know i feel like southern charm has found a way to reinvent itself a bit yeah. uh, in a way that in a way that is interesting um, are you watching this season i have not started yet okay but yeah they it starts off with your regular players, all the people that you know. Um, I think the smart thing that Southern Charm has done is sort of extended further into that, like, I would call it a second-tier Bravo universe with your summer houses, your winter houses, all of that. Mm-hmm. So they make themselves more relevant by being connected to that world. Because frankly, like, I think there was coming a point with Southern Charm where it was like, Shep, you're a 45-year-old man, and it's just, it's not cute anymore. <laughs> it's, it's not cute. <laughs> Was it ever? It's, it's wild to me that he ever even had a show called Relationship. Let's let's not. Let's not put that out. One season. Bringing that One back. season. <laughs> <laughs> I do think expanding out into some extra people would help. One thing I love about Miami is the fact that you have so many friends of. Mm-hmm. It feels like a full cast. Yep. Uh, so we, we need people like that. The other shows, I don't really know if there's any other ones that need like a full scale reboot. I mean, I still think that, I still think like a new Married to Medicine um, would have been else. fun with like Tiffany Moon. Ooh. You know, because people liked her. I liked Tiffany and people online had always said, do a Married to Medicine and... In Dallas. Um, Dallas with with Tiffany. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I would have watched. I would have watched another season of Dallas with her. I really would have. But I think Cam ruined everything for that franchise. <laughs> she really that, that show got it got too dark. The problem is a lot yeah. of them just get too dark. Yeah, you know. What housewife are you currently most suspicious of? Like, who's going to be the next Teresa, Erica Jane, Jen Shaw? Honestly, before we got to the darkness of this season with Shannon. Mm. Every time she talked about her business and wanting to increase it on the show, part of me was like, is she going to do something shady to make more of money? <laughs> I never quite know what she's talking about whenever she's having these business meetings or she's visiting the doctor talking about the thing that she wants to push. That's fair. That's fair. I don't, you know what? No one is like jumping to mind immediately. What I will say is that I do assume that Don Juan knows things that we will never know. Don Juan knows where bodies are bullied, buried in Atlanta. <laughs> um, Don Juan knows things about Andy Cohen that Andy Cohen probably doesn't know about himself. Like that, that is, <laughs> that is the man who I think could bring down any Bravo celebrity at any time. <laughs> 
Where is a city that you would like to see the Real Housewives franchise venture to? So my top, and they w- it would never happen because old money, true old money would never actually be on this show. I would love Greenwich. I would like mm. Greenwich, Connecticut, I should say. Um, lifestyle porn, real wealth. The downtown mm-hmm. of Greenwich has just a freestanding Hermes store. Like what? What is? We don't even have that on like OC. Heather would be so at home. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I think my next franchise. I do really want that level of wealth and aspiration and like lifestyle porn that I am not getting. I don't get that on OC. I don't get that on on Salt Lake. I don't really get that on Atlanta even, even though those women do have like some some quality money. Definitely not getting mm-hmm. that on Potomac. And I'm getting it a little bit on New York. I'll, I'll give mm-hmm. them that, but it's only coming from really, from Jenna and a little bit, a little bit from Aaron, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Greenwich. Well, of course, Jessel, you know, because oh. she's accused of coming from a rich family. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, is so funny to me because it's, it's a new kind of like weird stereotype. Just the fact that, you know, every like Indian foreigner must yeah. be obscenely wealthy. Right. <laughs> and like, I believe her that she probably had, you know, a, everyone has a hard time when they move to New York at first. I believe mm-hmm. her that that was the case. I think that the pushback was coming from the fact that everyone assumed she was directly trying to compare her story to Sai and to yes. Brynn, who had objectively terrible childhoods. Yes. I think people assume that because they've all been playing trauma bonding Olympics. Yeah. Oh, God, this season. Yeah, yeah. And that needs to stop. I, I, I hope yeah. next season, next season, you bitches know each other well enough. I don't want to hear any more sad backstories. Yeah. And I will applaud them all from for being Aaron aside a little bit, but like the rest of them are actually pretty emotionally cognizant and they really like <sighs> come to those conversations like ready to empathize, but then they're just like pushing too much and pushing too much. It's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like if you're if money would be great for housewives, mm-hmm. yes, but I also feel like you want to get like a flavor and a culture. Like what's fun about Miami is like it feels like it's so completely different from the other cities. Mm-hmm. You know, it you it feels like it's you feel the Miami through yes. the screen. And I'm trying to think like where else in the country or something would I love to see? Um, maybe like a like a Mexico City or something like something yeah. some, something like that. Um, it wouldn't be too close to Mexico or maybe like a European country. You they, know, well, Lisa is apparently taking us to Europe at some point with some hotel oh. show that has been announced. But um, <laughs> they tried to do they tried to do Southern Charms Southern Charm Nola, and I yes. do I would watch a Real Housewives, um, Housewives there. In New Orleans, yeah. Because every time Giselle has take, Giselle from Potomac has taken us to New Orleans, it's been a good time. Um, yeah, New Orleans is definitely one. I would also do a Bay Area situation where mm. it was actually diverse. Like you had maybe someone from Oakland. You had um, maybe like some Chinese Americans. You had some like rich tech people. Mm. I would I, – that could be interesting. I think I said, I think I remember an interview where someone had said like, cause they'd had a million dollar listing in San Francisco for one season mm. and, uh, or Silicon Valley, whatever it was. But I think part of the problem was those really rich people didn't really ever want to be on camera, et cetera. But I think now 
with the way things have gone with a reality TV and yeah. stuff, like so much time has passed that you would get some people in like Oakland, SF, whatever, who would want to be on the show. You I know? agree. And then like also that brings probably the true crime back into it because we know they're yes. not paying their taxes. <laughs> get, okay. Get, get an Enron. Okay. Yes. Get, get something. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to see that. Yeah, I am saying like until the the DUI incident, I was kind of enjoying like this this softer side of Sears, like Real Housewives era, where we've come out of like Homeland Security showing up on camera, and the yes. conflict is a lot more uh, based in like interpersonal relationship stuff. Um, mm. It's been a nice break. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Um, we, we don't need the FBI every season. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining me, Kendra. I mean, we'll we'll be doing Keep It Real semi-regularly on Friday. So obviously you will be back. Uh, this has been a dream. We've never been on Mike Talking Housewives. It's never and happened. We haven't. No. We haven't. The, Producer the Chris is looking shocked. <laughs> <laughs> It's season six of Keep It. Any, anything can happen. <laughs> All right. That's been Keep It Real, our second episode of our special reality show bonus podcast for Keep It. Thank you to Teddy Mellencamp for joining. Thank you to Kendra James for joining. And I will see you next Friday with a new episode of Keep It Real. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Megan Patzel and Rachel Gajewski, and to Matt DeGroot and David Tolls for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is recorded in front of a live studio audience.